What's up, Sooner Nation? Kent State Golden Flashes coming to Norman Saturday, game two of the 2022 season. We've got an abbreviated version of the Sooner Nation podcast breaking down this game. Already a day late getting this posted, and I apologize for that. But we'll be close to 24 hours to game time uh, by the time this thing, uh, this podcast goes live. Uh, So let's break this down. We're going to talk about offense. We're going to talk about defense. No true or false questions for this episode, but watch the game. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Email us, Heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Give us your true or false statements slash questions after you watch the game, and we'll hit that up Sunday in the post game. Um, you know, Kent State starts the season 0 and 1, and they're they're making the money tour. They they were at uh, University of Washington last weekend, coming to Norman this weekend. They're getting a million and a half dollars to come play this game uh, against the Sooners. I'm assuming they got somewhere in that ballpark uh, and out in in Washington last week and. And this is going to fund their athletic budget, and that's what this game is about for Kent State. For Oklahoma, you, it's your last tune-up game, your last chance to kind of polish your skills a little bit before you go to Lincoln, Nebraska for uh, the first road test of the season. And honestly, the first true test uh, about uh, Jeff Levy's offense and really um, Ted Roof and Brent Venables, what they've created defensively. But let's start on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Kent State's a team that scored 20 points last week against Washington, but Really, it's uh, it's a turnover-prone, at least it appeared to be a turnover-prone offense against the, the Huskies. And, and I don't think that, I really don't think that Washington offers a better defensive front than what the University of Oklahoma is going to put on the field on Saturday. And you think as you have more pressure on the quarterback, more, uh, you know, he's got to make quicker reads, he's got to, you know, th- those type of things, you should increase the opportunities for interceptions, but the Sooners get one pick last week by Gentry Williams, and that was that was in the waning seconds of the game, and if it wasn't for that, Oklahoma would have gone without a turnover last week. Uh, meanwhile, like I said, you got three uh, three interceptions thrown by uh, by Kent State quarterbacks last week, and I think if you're watching this game, what you really want to see is more action from Oklahoma's defensive backs. They they did a great job at tackling in space against UTEP, but I think they're going to probably get a a stronger vertical challenge than what we saw last week. UTEP was kind of dink and dunk, uh, operate some clock, chew, chew that off the off of the game clock and not lose by 70 points. I, I don't think Kent State really cares. Kent State, they're, like I said, they're collecting a paycheck and they're getting ready for conference play by, by going on the road at Washington and on the road at Oklahoma. And so they're going to try some things out, uh, and that should mean more action for Oklahoma's defensive backs. You want to continue to see that that you know form tackling uh, great technique that we saw last week. But also I think you actually might get to see more coverage skills now the question is: Are they going to jump out of a zone uh, on defense and play some man, or are they going to stay in that zone? And and that's really what allowed UTEP to dink and dunk at times, was just finding holes in the zone. So regardless of what they do, it you know if they stay in zone, I think you're going to see the defensive backs react a little bit quicker. You you saw a little bit of hesitancy to to close in, and whether that's just 
again, I, I said this last week on the podcast, if that's working some of the Alex Grinch out of them, uh, that could be that. Also, it could also be understanding and trusting uh, the other guys that, to go deeper than you. But I would expect if Oklahoma stays in the zone uh, to see them close a little bit quicker than what we saw last week against UTEP. Also, I think if they go to man to see them maybe in a little bit of press coverage, I, I think I would like to see that not for sure that we're going to break that out before Nebraska, but we'd like to see them play up up front and be a little more physical uh, with these, uh, with these defensive backs coming off uh, the receivers coming off the line of scrimmage. If you're looking for guys to keep an eye on, for Kent State, I think you start with the quarterback, Colin Shalee. Uh, he was 178 yards passing last week. He did throw one touchdown, uh, but he also threw two interceptions. And so that's that's where, again, that's where your kind of your bread and butter is. That's where you want to look for those opportunities to have those drive killers. And that's really what happened to Kent State. They they were out of this game. Of course, they were playing a better team than they are in Washington. And now they're going to be playing a better team uh, even more so in Oklahoma. But when you're playing up, when you're playing a, a competition that's that's a level above you, you can't you can't kill your own drives. And and we saw, uh, if you watch that game, if you got the replay of it or whatever, you saw Kent State do that three different times with their quarterbacks. But Shilly is the guy that uh, that their offense runs through. He's He was the leading rusher on the team, obviously the leading passer on the team. Now, Marquez Cooper is a little bit deceptive. They're, they're running back 3.3 yards per carry, and he ran for a touchdown last week against UW. But this is an offense that put up 340 total yards last week. 193 of that came through the air, 147 on the ground. And so they're, they're pretty balanced, which means if I'm a defensive coordinator, that's really what I want. Because you go back to last week against UTEP, and you, you were playing an offense that's not balanced. They, they were pass-heavy. And so what, what Oklahoma did said, okay, you know what, look, you're pass-heavy, so we're going to completely take the run game away from you, and we're going to make you beat us by what you feel is the strength of your offense, knowing that UTEP really couldn't do that. I don't know how Ted Riff attacks it this week. I don't know if they do the same thing. You know, if you're if you're if you're used to running a balanced offense and you take one aspect of that balance away, then then it, it makes you press on the on the aspect that's working for you. And and I think because of what we saw from Oklahoma's defensive line last week, we just saw them completely dominate, right? Six six quarterback sacks. You saw the quarterback hurries. You saw this defensive line just kind of make just create havoc in the backfield. And so I think it would be naturally easy for Oklahoma to keep that same game plan and and look at Marquise Cooper and just take that aspect away from from Kent State's offense and so that's that's probably going to put pressure on your cornerbacks because it's going to leave them on islands and again we saw that they might get stretched vertically and you, you want to see Jaden Davis you know, he had one play last week where uh, he kind of whiffed on the tackle, lowered his head, and just launched and, and completely missed. It, when you're going vertical, you can't afford those type of things, especially if you're not in a zone. If you're in man and you do that, the guy's going downfield. Fortunately for Oklahoma, uh, they were able to recover and make a tackle before it turned into a huge play last week against UTEP. So Jaden Davis, Woody Washington, those are your still there on you look at the depth chart, those are your starting cornerbacks. Not for sure yet how DJ Graham's going to fit into this. Is he is he going to rotate in there or or not? Uh but um th- those are the guys you're going to want to watch. And how are they First of all, how does 
how does Kent State attack them? And secondly, how do they respond, particularly if the flashes decide to go vertical? And there's a good question here as whether or not Kent State will have the time to go vertical. When you look at what Reggie Grimes is going to do as far as putting pressure in the backfield and, and the guys coming up the middle, you know, uh, the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma did such a great job last week at not giving quarterbacks time. And I do believe that this offense is a little bit better than what UTEP brought in just because of the, their ability to be balanced. But, but yet still, I, I think they're so overwhelmed up front. You, you wonder, will they have the time to go vertical and I think a lot of that depends on Marquez Cooper because you buy extra time by doing play action. And if Marquez Cooper, he averaged, like I said, 3.3 yards uh, per carry last week. If he can get in the neighborhood of that, 3.3, 3.5, then it, it will be more effective for them to do play action. But as it is, I mean, I, I really want to see what Jaden Davis and Woody Washington bring to the table in terms of 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 coverage on a passing game that's going to want to go vertical. And then the second thing, I think the second thing really you want to watch on Oklahoma's defense is the cheetah position. Now we we saw Deshaun White last week as the starter. We'll see Deshaun White again as the starter. Um, And, and, and I, I, I look at this quarterback, a mobile guy. So we talked about Marquez Cooper, the running back 3.3 yards per carry. But Shalee had 5.9 yards per carry last week. And I think that puts extra pressure on that cheetah position. And so is this, is this a weekend? Or, you know, does Deshaun White rotate out? And you put other guys in there who are maybe a little bit more agile. Uh, or do you keep Deshaun White in there and let him give you run support on the quarterback? To me, I'm thinking this is not a good matchup for Justin Harrington. Because where he is a little bit more defensive back type agile, he's not linebacker thick in the in the same form that Deshaun White is. And I think this is a this is a game where and it's very similar to what you're going to face in Casey Thompson a week later, where your quarterback you've got to you've got to know where he is because if he's flush from the pocket, he can turn a quarterback scramble into a seven yard gain downfield really fast. And so your cheetah position is not only going to have to do coverage out of the backfield, looking at tight ends, but he's also probably going to have some responsibility in containing the quarterback because what Oklahoma is going to, if you've listened to this podcast, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is. The game plan doesn't change. When you play a quarterback who can run the football, then that means your defensive ends don't necessarily crash as much as they contain and you funnel everything up the middle. And hopefully you've got David Aguebu or Danny Stutzman there waiting on him. And so I'm I'm really curious what how does the cheetah position play into a mobile quarterback? Do you just trust your linebackers and, and your 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 defensive ends to contain and your linebackers to clean up? Or does the cheetah position come in there and shadow a little bit? So that there's just some quick thoughts defensively. We'll we'll jump on the offensive side of the ball and then we'll also do Big 12 rundown. Some good games this weekend. Really only one garbage game in the Big 12. And we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. All right, so we talked about Kent State maybe being a little bit better offensively than what Oklahoma faced last week in UTEP. Defensively, that is not going to be the case. This is not a defense that will challenge Oklahoma in my opinion, if Oklahoma's offense stalls, 
Most likely it's because they made a mistake. I, I would Oklahoma scored what, 70% of their possessions last week? They had they had 10 possessions of the football, not counting the final kneel down. So they had 10 legitimate offensive possessions. They scored on seven of those 10 possessions. I, I would expect that to be the, the floor for what they do this week, with, with one caveat being at what point does Jeff Lebby uh, let his foot off the gas? We saw it after the, uh, really, the NFL, at the end of the first quarter last week, you know, three opening possessions, three touchdowns, and then you start tinkering, and then late in the game, you started doing player personnel swap. Uh, at what point does that take place this week? Um, Kent State gave up 525 total yards of offense to Washington. 393 of that came through the passing game. And so you you think, you really think that this should be, um, this should be like a great game for Dylan Gabriel, but then you also wonder how much of a game does Dylan Gabriel get in there. And that's going to make like the point spread and all that stuff really, really difficult for 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 picking out in, in this game. Um but I, I think this is also a game where if you're if you're Jeff Levy and company, you, you name your score. I mean, you you get um, you know you get to pick your score here uh, based on how long you want to run that offense. Um, I, I think you want to let the running game continue to develop a little bit. You had Eric Gray, hundred plus rushing yards last week, and really kind of solidify what we thought. Um, I well, at least what I thought was going to be more of a combined role. He had twice as many carries as Marcus Major. He is the feature back. He's the all-purpose back in this offense. Marcus Major is going to be your your third down specialist, your short yardage specialist, your your you know red zone or really not even a red zone, but within a 10 yard line specialist, 7.7 yards per carry though last week for Marcus Major. It was not a bad performance by either one of the running backs, but does that continue to develop? Does it continue to develop where Eric Gray gets twice as many? Is he going to be the bulk of the, of the carries type guy? And, and keep in mind, I mean, I, I said this after the game that Eric Gray looked the part. I mean, he he looked stronger. He looked every bit as quick. He looked every bit as athletic. He, he can plant the foot and, and pivot directions pretty fast, pretty well. And But he's balked up and he's gotten stronger and thicker without losing any of that speed and agility. And, and so that dual purpose threat that he offers as a receiver out of the backfield, that continues to be something that, that he does and he does well, uh, even though he's bulked up a little bit. So uh, what we saw last week from Oklahoma's running backs, those those defined roles that they're in, do they do they maintain that going into this this game and get ready for Nebraska? And again, what I mean by that is, is Eric Gray still going to have twice as many carries? As Marcus Major is Marcus Major still going to be that guy uh, in short yardage situation? Is he still going to be that guy in a goal line type situation? We saw those defined roles. Do they stick from week one to to week two? I think the other thing you want to look at offensively for Oklahoma is can they be a little bit more clean? Seven penalties last week, fifty nine yards. Now, granted, two of those were uh, were pass interference. When you're talking about the entire penalty situation two of those penalties were were defensive pass interference penalties and one of them honestly was quite egregious that continued well but they both continued scoring drives for UTEP but one of them and the one uh the one in the end zone uh, there on the in the north end was was the worst in my opinion 
Uh, but but you still had you still had some false start penalties. You still had some offensive line communication issues. Can they clean that up from week one to week two? And and here's the thing: the the pass rush last week we saw from UTEP uh, is not going to be there this week. And UTEP's pass rush wasn't spectacular, but Kent State didn't even record a quarterback sack against Washington. And so I think you would be quite disappointed if you see that happen this week against Oklahoma. So can they clean it up? Can they make it a little bit cleaner up front? Um, I think the offensive line, you can't you can't really say anything negative about them. They, they performed and played very well. So can they continue to do that? And then can this offense, we already talked about it, keep that keep that, you know, proficiency uh, and, and be efficient. That with seven of 10 possessions ended in scores last week. I think that's your floor based on how long you keep the starters in. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, 15 to 23, 233 yards, two passing touchdowns. And um, again, I, I expect those numbers to go up based off of what we saw from this defense last week against Washington. Now, the big question when you're talking about Oklahoma's offense versus this Kent State defense is how long will Jeff Levy play these starters? How, how long would those guys be in the game? And for example, Davis Bevel got in really late in the game, didn't throw a single pass. So do you want to go to Nebraska with your backup quarterback not having thrown a pass? And I know, I know Davis Bevel is an experienced quarterback. I know what he did at Pitt last year, but that's not Jeff Lebby's offense. That's not showing me you have control of, of the passing game and what your read progression is and what your patience is going to be in the pocket and what your decision making is going to be on a zone read. All of those things, do you, do you keep it and throw it? Do you keep it and run it? Do you hand it off to the running back on those zones? I want to see Davis, Davis Bevel throw the football this week. I think you want to see that. And I'm I'm pretty confident Jeff Lebby wants to see that. And then we didn't see anything behind Bevel. So we don't really know how deep the quality of depth is for Oklahoma's quarterback position. And you could do this, you could say the same thing with with the running backs, Javante Barnes, Taywee uh, Walker. They they came in very, very late in the game and they looked powerful. They looked strong. Um, of course, again, I, I got to throw this out there. Javante Barnes did fumble. I know we have nothing but good things to say about his size, about his speed, about his physicality, but we would we'd not be doing ourselves a favor if we don't mention the fact that he did, in fact, fumble the football uh, last week, that that really happened. Oklahoma recovered it, so we don't talk about it that much because he destroyed the the defensive back uh, who was trying to tackle him. And so we talk about him lowering the boom on the defender, and and we talk less about him dropping the football. But all those things are going to come into play here, and we're we're questioning about this offense. How long does Jeff Lovey leave the starters in? Because I think offensively, they're going to have more success this week than they did last week. And yes, I know I set the bar really high last week for offensive success against UTEP. They didn't quite reach that. But if if you've watched any of Kent State, you know this defense is not on the same level of UTEP. And the UTEP defense wasn't spectacular, but you're taking a step down in defensive competition this week if you're the University of Oklahoma. I think, guys, I want to watch. I want to watch. Um, 
obviously Dylan Gabriel, I want to see, I, I think he beats last week's stats, 233 passing, two passing touchdowns. I, I think he, he surpasses that. I want to, I want to see, uh, you know, you, you had a limited number of receivers catching passes last week. And so I want to see that increase, um, or are they going to keep that same tight group and are they going to be able to break free and, and get open more in the passing game? Uh, I, I, those are just things I want to see. So guys like Marvin Mims, you know, Theo Weiss quietly had a decent game last week, but he never really was the break, able to break open and use his vertical uh, vertical ability. And that could have been by play design because a lot of the passes that came to Theo Weiss were short mid-range passes. Are they going to let Theo Weiss get vertical? You saw Drake Stoops really on that opening possession, but you didn't see much from Drake after that. Jalil Farouk was not used a lot last week, and he did have the drops. Uh, a little bit, but I want to see this receiving core combined with Dylan Gabriel. I, th- I think the running backs get what they want. Um, I think they're they're going to be balanced. Uh, I would even bet uh, at the end of the day, when it's all over with, uh, you probably have more passing, excuse me, more rushing attempts than you have passing attempts. But I, I think why the starters are in there that Jeff Levy really, especially initially, opens up this passing game and and sees what they can do against a, a defensive secondary that really just gave it gave it up last week to to UW. So give me give me Dylan Gabriel as a player to watch. Give me uh, give me uh, Theo Weiss as a player to watch, and then uh, and offensively we'll throw a third one in there. Can Braden Willis do it again this week? Can he be that guy that gets forgot about uh, in the passing game and basically just walks into the end zone untouched or or gets out, out in the seam uh, it, because a linebacker forgot to focus on him? So th- those are the three names I want to look at um, offensively for Oklahoma to have pretty decent games depending on depending on how long Jeff Levy leaves them in the game. I don't think they go as deep into the game this week as what we saw them go last week. All right, let's give you the Big 12 rundown and then Oklahoma's uh, score prediction against Kent State. Uh, This is the Sooner Nation podcast. So we've got a decent weekend of action in the Big 12. There's really one garbage game, Tarleton at TCU. I am curious to see the quarterback situation because Chandler Morris is out with the sprained knee. But again, there's Max Duggan there. And um, I mean, he's one of the most seasoned quarterbacks in the Big 12. So there's really no drama in that game. And, you know, TCU should, you would think, after going to Boulder last weekend and getting a win on the road uh, at Colorado, then um, they should handle their business against Tarleton at home. So that's the garbage game. And then the rest of the games are actually pretty decent games throughout the entire Big 12 slate. You've got Alabama going to Texas, the top team in the country, facing the Texas Longhorns. And I've got a little bit probably of an unpopular take on this because Texas comes into this game 20-point underdogs at home early in the season. I know Bryce Young. I know this is a machine. But as much as we like to bag on Texas, you have to think – they're better than Utah State. I mean, they they would you would think that Texas would run rule Utah State much the same way that they did ULM last weekend and what Bama did. So I don't know that we learned a lot about Bama. We know they're good. We know they're the top team in the country. Not trying to take that away from them, but I think I think Texas covers a twenty point spread in this game. And I want to be wrong on this. I I, do, I want you to know that I do one hundred percent want to be wrong on this. But I think they covered. I, I think when you look at the respect that Saban has for Sarkeesian, you look at 
at this Texas team, and, and they're really like this is their Super Bowl. This is their moment to shine. They're they're going to be amped up, particularly early in this game. I think if Alabama guns, jumps out to a fast start against Texas, there's probably downhill for the rest of the way for the Longhorns, and this is a blowout. But again, Texas can lose by multiple scores and still cover a twenty point spread here. And so I do think. Um, there's enough offensive firepower with B. John Robinson uh, to run the ball, uh, to control clock. Unpopular opinion here. I got no beef if I'm wrong. I think Texas loses this game, but I do think they cover the 20-point spread against Alabama. Missouri at Kansas State. Um, fun game here, old Big 8 rivalry. Um, Missouri comes in a 7.5-point underdog. I think Kansas State wins this game. I do think Missouri's better than what we've seen in years past. I think they've they've got the ability to do some things offensively. We didn't really see Kansas State challenged offensively last week. They take a big, big step up in competition this week. Give me Kansas State to win this game, but like the Texas game, I think Missouri loses, but they cover 7.5 points. Uh, I, I think they lose by a touchdown, honestly, and that, that covers you on 7.5. This is going to be a fun game. Houston at Texas Tech. This was a big game last week or last season um, in in Houston. This week, this year, it's in Lubbock. Uh, neither team. Well, I take that back. Texas Tech wasn't challenged last week. Houston was kind of thrown uh, thrown a curveball by uh, University of Texas San Antonio, winning a game that ultimately went into overtime. The, the the Houston defense that we saw last year, I don't think is the Houston defense that we have this year. Uh, they actually come into Lubbock as four and a half, or four point underdogs at this point. I like them to cover. In fact, I do. I think I'm not really high on Texas Tech. And even though Texas Tech wasn't challenged last week, Houston was. I think Houston's a better team here. I think they got more tools than Texas Tech does. I could be wrong on this, but I haven't been high on Texas Tech throughout the entire preseason. I can't change that now. I think number 25 Houston wins this game in Lubbock uh, as a four-point underdog. So give me give me Houston and those points. Iowa State at Iowa. Man, you talk about bad offense. You should watch the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, I know it's a new era for the Cyclones. I know Brock Purdy's gone. I know Brees Hall's gone. Charlie Kolar's gone. Uh, you're starting over basically defensively as well. But I think there's enough tools in place from this Iowa State team. They didn't play anybody last week. They played Southeast Missouri. They won handedly. Iowa scored two safeties in a field goal uh, to cover a 7-3 to win last week. I don't think there's a lot of offense there for the Hawkeyes. I do think this is a low-scoring game. But again, you got Iowa State as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I like Iowa State. I like the Big 12 uh, to straight-up win this game, but at the very minimum, make it a close loss where they cover the three-and-a-half points. Uh, we do have a conference game. Kansas going to West Virginia. Uh, you guys, if you read the site, heartland-sports.com, if you listen to the podcast, I am a little bit more high on the Jayhawks this year than I have been years past. I'm definitely more high on the Jayhawks than um, than anybody else on our writing staff. Some people may just say I'm high when it comes to Kansas. I think this is a better Kansas team, probably the best Kansas team we've seen in four or five years. That said, Going to Morgantown and winning the game against a West Virginia team that dropped a heartbreaker in the season opener uh, in a rivalry game at that the season opener against Pitt. Um, I, I don't think I don't think Kansas wins this game. I think West Virginia evens to one and one on the season. I think Kansas drops to one and one on the season. But we're talking point spreads here, and the Jayhawks thirteen and a half point underdogs 
on the road. Um, you're going to see basically a theme here from me liking the underdogs on the road. And so give me Kansas to cover 13 and a half while they're losing the game. Do you, you catch that, <laughs> that theme that's happening here? Because that's going to continue. Arizona State at number 11, Oklahoma State. I think this is a fun game. Um, this, this is a game where we saw some the good and the ugly from Oklahoma State last week where the Cowboys just offensively had it rolling and, and then defensively they struggled really, really heavily. <clears throat> um, that's going to be, I think, the same situation this week with Arizona State. The, the Sun Devils have Emory Jones, former Florida Gator quarterback, running their offense. He's a dual-threat guy. He's going to be able to do some things challenge Oklahoma State's secondaries in, in, in a way that they weren't challenged last week. And they definitely didn't perform uh, anything spectacular or special last week either. Sun Devils come in at 11 and a half point favorites. Guys, seriously, this game could be a toss-up. I think Oklahoma State wins this very, very close, uh, like a field goal to a touchdown. Uh, the Cowboys come out on top. But I think this game, I think this this should be could be a tight game all the way throughout. And so give me Arizona State getting double digits plus 11.5 on the road against a very susceptible Oklahoma State secondary and a game that could easily turn into a little bit of a shootout. Baylor on the road at BYU. Here's the one favorite that I am picking this week. Uh, the Bears, three-point favorites uh, at, at, the, at BYU. Future Big 12 matchup here. It's the only Big 12 t- uh, game this weekend featuring two ranked teams. Number nine, Baylor. Number 21, BYU. Bears are three-point favorites. I think they win, and I think they cover as three-point favorites on the road against a good, I guess a decent BYU team. And I don't really think it affects the rankings that much. I mean, you're going to lose on, you're going to lose at home against a top ten team. You're the number twenty-one team in the country. You should lose at home uh, to a top ten team, even if you're ranked twenty-one. But I think BYU keeps this uh, in the seven to ten point range. But I still think Baylor comes out, and you're, they're only they're only favored by three. And so I think that's a, basically an easy cover for. The the Bears on the road uh, at BYU. And then that leaves us to the big game, the game everyone is tuning in to talk about. By the way, thank you for those of you that tune into the Sooner Nation podcast. Uh, please like, subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us a, a favorable rating. If you don't mind, we would really, really appreciate that. Oklahoma, Kent State, 6 p.m. kickoff. This is your ESPN Plus game. So you got to have ESPN Plus to try to watch this game. Uh, have fun with it if you're not in the stadium. Oklahoma, comes in as a heavy favorite in this game. They're they're plus 33 points, which is a, a higher point spread than what we saw last week. Here's what here's what scares me. I'll be very honest with you. What scares me away from a 33 point spread is I I really feel like Jeff Levy is going to call off the the first team offense way way earlier than what we saw last week against UTEP. And so that scares me. I think Oklahoma wins this in blowout fashion. I'm predicting uh 49 to 17 which puts you at 66 points which means you would take the under in this game also means it's only 32 points on the spread which means I got to take Kent State in those 33 if if I if I didn't if if I if I knew confidently confidently that Jeff Levy was going to leave the starters in to the same amount of time that he did last week I would take Oklahoma to cover those 33 points really without even thinking about it but as it stands 
I don't think they do that. I, and all the reasons I've already mentioned, there's just too many guys who haven't played significant minutes before you go on the road to Nebraska for your first game of the uh, really big challenge game of the season. And uh, maybe a little bit of a, a look ahead, not not meaning in, in the way that they play poorly, but look ahead in the way you want to you get your backups some good experience before they're really kind of possibly thrust in that situation on the road in a big game setting. So give me Oklahoma 49, Kent State 17. Sooners will not cover 33 points, and this game will hit the under. So there you have it. That's the Sooner Nation podcast. Enjoy your college football weekend, everybody. We'll be back, and we'll break down what was Oklahoma and Kent State on the other side of that game. Walk.